Like Seth said, my name is Drew. In about 60 seconds, I'm gonna tell you a little bit more about me. My name is Drew. I'm married to Lauren. We will be married 20 years this June. We have four kids, Price, Henley, Eleni, Kate, and Beckett. It's a miracle I know their names. Don't ask me their birthdays, okay? I don't, I get those mixed up. But we are a family on the go. We are constantly going here and there and everywhere with our kids' activities, and we love it. But let me tell you a little bit about where I came from. So I started off my career as a high school math teacher at Cartersville High School, did that for nine years. So I taught math and then I was a baseball coach there, a fast pitch softball coach, but then I was also one of the sponsors of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And then in 2012, after doing that for nine years, uh, kind of against my will, God called me into full-time church ministry where I became the student pastor at the church where my wife and I were members of Cartersville First Baptist, just right up the road. And then after doing that for four years, God shifted me into another role there for four years as associate pastor. And then God did something I never saw coming. He asked me to pastor. And so for the last three years, I have pastored an incredible church in Calhoun, Georgia called Meadowdale Baptist Church. Incredible people there. And then God has called our family here to North Star. And we're so excited to be here. I've known Mike Lynch for about a decade now. We met through baseball. I was coaching at Cartersville. He was coaching, still coaching at Alatoona. And uh, we were rivals, but God used that rivalry to create a friendship and he's been a mentor to me and just super excited to be a part of this team. But before we dive into God's word this morning, I want to give a huge shout out to some people that I've been hanging out with and is being the connections pastor. I'm helping out with guest services and discipleship and other duties as assigned as you probably all do at your job as well. But I've been hanging out with these guest service people and they are phenomenal. They are led by Carrie Carter and these are folks that you see greeting at the doors. They're at the first time guest tent. They're in Esther's Cafe, auditorium host. They are uh, helping uh, with the crosswalk, with the traffic, family check-in. They do so much, but you know what? They absolutely love what they do because their desire is to help you feel at home. So would you just join me this morning in thanking these volunteers for helping you feel at home every Sunday. Do such an incredible job. Well, one of the reasons that I got into teaching is because the Lord gave me a passion for lost people and specifically uh, lost teenagers, especially early in my career. And the problem that I found in being a teacher and a coach at Cartersville High School is there were about 1,000 students in that building. And for me to reach all of those 1,000 students would have been an impossible task. But God brought about a solution and he chose to use ordinary people like me and other teachers in order to reach a portion of that student population through something called FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And so what we did is we taught our students, teenagers, a simple formula and how, about how to share their faith and how to reach the lost. And God did an amazing work through those teenagers. And what is so cool is that many of those students who came to faith in Christ are now adults who are living since. One of them that I know is here today, Brack Barton, a guy that I coached back in 2008 as we won one of the state championships at Cartersville. But it's so cool to see a lot of these students living since. But Mike Lynch 
has proposed a problem to us here in this area. Over the last several weeks, he's told us that there are approximately 70,000 unchurched people in a short radius around this church. But here's the bigger problem. Not that people are unchurched, but that those people and others are lost. That they don't have a relationship with Jesus. You see, John 3, 36 says this. The one who rejects Jesus, the son, will not receive life. Instead, the wrath of God will remain on him. And the truth is, is that without a relationship with Jesus Christ, people will walk into eternity, into forever, separated from God in a real place called hell. That's just the truth. And it should break our hearts and it should inspire us to do something. And the truth is, is this seems like an impossible task. 70,000 people. And it is an impossible task if we try to do it on our own. But can I tell you this? It is a very possible task if we allow God to use us in the process. So Drew, how do we accomplish this task of reaching 70,000 lost souls around us? Well, I'll get to that solution and formula here in just a minute, but here's our message for today. And this is a message for any age of believer, young, old, teenagers, college students. If you are a believer, this message is for you. A reminder to live sent. So I'm gonna ask you to grab your Bible. We're gonna be in Luke chapter 10. If you have your North Star app, everything you need is right there with you. Luke chapter 10, if you're able to do, will you please stand in honor of reading God's word this morning? We're gonna be looking at the first three verses of Luke chapter 10, and here's what Luke has to say. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak clearly to us this morning. And Lord, we ask that your word would be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. Well, in verse one, Luke tells us that after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. So right here we see that Jesus gives the 72 a mission. And here's what the mission is, and this is the same mission for you and me, is to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. So what Jesus did is he called a team meeting. The 12 starters, the 12 main disciples were already on mission and he needed the whole team to get involved in preparing the way. But why, why would he need 72 others or possibly even more? Here's why. Because in that region, there were 500,000 people who needed to know about Jesus. And the 12 couldn't do it all on their own, so he needed everybody to help. But here's what I know. 
these disciples, they didn't have seminary degrees. They were ordinary people like you and like me. They were business people. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. And these 72 were not the starting 12, but Jesus gave these 72 permission to do the same work as the starting 12. And their mission was this, prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. And we'll talk about how to prepare the way here in just a few minutes. So we go into verse two and Jesus told them, hey, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. So Jesus shared some good news and he shared with them that, hey, listen, there, there are a lot of people here that need Jesus. The harvest is abundant. And Jesus used a farming illustration because in that area and in that day and time, farming was a popular profession. And for those of you that may not know, I'm not a farmer. I cut my grass, but that's as far as I go. But a harvest is the time to gather a mature crop. And the harvest that Jesus was referring to right here were people's souls, which were far more valuable than any crop, obviously, but without a restored relationship with God. These lost souls were destined for hell. And you know what? That broke Jesus's heart. And he said, I gotta do something about it. And the only way for that relationship to be restored with God is through something called repentance. And repentance is a fancy word. I don't know if you have any kids that used to watch Fancy Nancy, but I've got a girl that does. And so repentance is a fancy word for expressing remorse for sin. And you making the choice to turn away from sin and to turn to Jesus. That's repentance. But Jesus also used this word abundant. And you know, abundance, if you have abundance of something, it means you have a lot of something. And Jesus said, listen, there's a lot of people that need me in order to get to the Father. And this repentance would be the thing that would change their life, their eternal destination. But then Jesus breaks it to him with the bad news. He said, listen, the bad news is, is that there's not enough workers do y'all remember during the pandemic, you would go, hey, where y'all wanna go eat? And you'd pull up to a restaurant only to find a sign on the door that said, closed due to lack of help. Did it make you upset? I mean, you had your, your heart set on fried chicken, right? And you pulled up, you went, oh, no fried chicken, where can we go? So you would be upset because you couldn't get your fried chicken. The employers would be upset because there weren't enough workers but Jesus felt the same agony for the vast number of lost souls. You see, Jesus was on mission from God and his mission was to seek and save all who were lost. The Bible says that he didn't want anybody to perish. But gathering the harvest, was hard work. And it took a lot of people to gather the harvest. You see, farmers knew if they didn't have enough workers to gather the harvest, two things would happen. Number one is that the crop would go to waste, right? Number two, they'd lose out on a lot of profit. 
and they needed to make some money for their livelihood. And so the farmers knew that they needed workers in order to maximize that opportunity. But Jesus also knew that he needed workers in order to maximize this opportunity, sharing this message of repentance. And doing this was gonna be hard work and it would take a lot of people. But did you know that it's a privilege that Jesus chooses to use us to be part of his work? He doesn't have to do that. But he allows us to be a part of his work so that we can share in the joy that comes from seeing people come to faith in Christ. But unfortunately, they were short on those who were willing to do the hard work. So Jesus tells them this in verse two. He says, hey, listen, hey, hey, pray to the Lord of the harvest. The word Lord means master, meaning that God is the master of all these souls right here. Pray to him to send out more workers into the harvest. You see, Jesus knew that the harvest, it couldn't be gathered without God's help. So he knew that he had to teach the disciples to ask God to help them and to depend on him. And this phrase, send out, in the Greek means to thrust out. It's a violent action. It's the same phrase that's used in the Bible when it explains when Jesus was casting out demons, it was a violent action. These people who had demons inside them, when they would come out, they would be convulsing all over the place and foaming at the mouth. It was very violent. So here's basically what Jesus was saying. He was saying, hey, I need you to ask God to give the disciples a swift kick in the pants to get out there and do the job. That's what I need you to do. And then in verse three, he gives a command, a one word command, and he says this. Go. Have you ever been to a track meet? You got the starter with the pistol, and as soon as the pistol goes off, boom, the runners all jump out of the start gate and go. And that's the picture that Jesus is saying here, I need you to go, don't wait around. He was commanding his followers to go. Jesus was telling them, quit sitting around and twiddling your thumbs. Quit expecting the main 12 to do all the work. You signed up for this. Now get busy. I need your help. But then he gives them a warning in that same verse. And he says this. He said, this is so encouraging. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Sign me up for that, right? But here's the warning he was giving them. It won't be easy. You see, not everyone liked Jesus in that time. When we read his word, we realize that not everybody liked Jesus. Not everyone accepted his message. Many more rejected than accepted his message, and we can expect the same. We can. And did you know that Jesus has an opponent, an adversary named Satan. And we know this as we read 1 Peter 5, 8, where it says, be alert for your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. It doesn't say nibble on, it doesn't say bite, it doesn't say scratch. It says to devour, which means that Satan is gonna find any way that he can to absolutely obliterate you, to knock you out of the race, and to make sure that you're not living sin. That's his job, and he's really good at it. 
But then Jesus calls us lambs. What's up with that, Jesus? Here's what he means. He says, don't face the opposition you're going to get with aggression. I need you to do like I'm doing and be gentle and loving and kind to people who are angry with you and who oppose you. Be like lambs. And then can I share with you some good news? In the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, at the very end, Jesus says these words, and I believe that he left these words at the end for a reason so we could remember them, and he says this. Do you remember this? He says, I am with you always until the very end of the age. What's so good to know is that Jesus is with us and that you're not alone. That's great news, right? So this is what the passage teaches. So how do we apply this passage to living sin? Well, here at North Star, as Seth said, and we say every week, we wanna help people find their way home by loving God, loving people, and living sin, right? You hear it every week. So Drew, what does it mean to live sent, especially for new folks who have come to North Star? Well, in John 20, verse 21, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, remember Jesus was on mission, he said, I'm sending you, and you, and you, and you, and me. Sending you out, and it means living with purpose on purpose. You see, we have opportunities every day to be a light in this dark world, to give hope to those who are hurting and in need of a savior. So can I share with you the simple formula that we taught our teenagers at Cartersville High School about how to, how to, how to reach the lost in their school? Here's what we did. Number one, we prayed for an opportunity. We taught them just to, to pray for an opportunity. You mean, Drew, like, that's it? That's it. Pray for an opportunity. Listen, as we've been going through this Whatever It Takes series, the Holy Spirit has been knocking me upside the head and on the other side throughout this series and saying this, Drew, whose mat are you carrying? Who is the one person, Drew, that you are intentionally preparing the way for them to meet Jesus, who is it? And can I give you my answer? And I'm embarrassed to say this. My answer is this, or was this? No one. And I'm a pastor. That's embarrassing for me, but you know what? Pastors are human too. I just wanna let you know. And so I began to make excuses with God and going, but God, we're, we're, we're gonna be moving from Calhoun soon. And, and the Holy Spirit quickly said this. He goes, that's the point, man. You're running out of time. And I have people that I've placed in your, in your circle that I need you to bring to me. Oh, and it convicted my heart. So if you ask God for an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody? Do you think God's gonna go, eh, I'll pass on that one? I don't think so. I think God's gonna jump at the chance to be able to give you an opportunity to share Jesus. So ask and he will give you an opportunity. Step number two, are you ready? Step number two, look for an opportunity. Listen, remember, I was talking to teenagers, okay? So I had to keep it as simple as possible. Pray, look is what we need to do. 
And I call this keeping your spiritual eyes open to see where God is at work. And these opportunities usually happen in your circles. So Drew, what what circles are you talking about? I'm not talking about crop circles. I'm talking about your circle of influence, where you work, where you go to school, where you do your activities, where your kids do their activities, your neighbors, your family even. Who is that person in your circle that needs Jesus? There's bound to be somebody. I guarantee you, you're thinking of somebody right now. And here's what I want you to do. Right now, I want for you, as you're thinking of that person, I want you just to jot their name down, write it on the back of your hand if you need to, put it in your app notes. Oh, and don't forget, if you're taking notes in your app, email those to yourself because they disappear. I made that mistake the first couple of times, okay? Email those to yourself. But I want you to write that name down because I don't want us to walk out of here today and go, oh, that was nice. I'm just gonna keep living the way that I'm living. No, 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 no. Jesus is calling us to live sent, and he's laid somebody on your heart to live sent about. So as I prayed for an opportunity, as I looked for an opportunity, you know what God did? He didn't give me one. All I asked for was for one. He didn't give me two. He gave me three opportunities. Two people that he immediately laid on my heart. They were two coaches of my, of my, of my kids. But then one he just laid in my lap. And so as God laid those, those on my heart, it was time for me to live sent. So here's step number three. Here's where the rubber meets the road. You need to share your story. Everybody in here has a story. Everybody who's met Jesus, somebody led them to Jesus and they have a story to share. But before you share your story, it needs to start with just a natural conversation. This is what we would teach our teenagers. Hey, listen, don't jump straight into it. Start a natural conversation. Hey, talk about sports or or talk about the weekend or, or for you parents, we all struggle as parents, right? Talk about what struggles you're having as a parent or talk about activities that are going on. But once you start this conversation, you need to look out for a way to be able to transition it to the spiritual. And so I use a few questions to be able to transition into this. Number one, I'll often ask, hey, Where do you attend church regularly? It opens the door for more questions. Number two, how can I pray for you? Or number three, this is a tough one, but I find that I get some really cool answers with this. It's, hey, if you died today, where would you spend eternity? I could tell you a lot of stories about the answers I get with that one and the fruit that God has used to come from that. But can I share with you my unexpected opportunity that God laid in my lap? So my son Price, seventh grade, playing baseball at Calhoun Middle School. I'm helping coach the baseball team. And a kid needed a ride after practice home. And so I said, I'll take him. So he jumps in my car. And so we crank up the car. And what does every cool dad have playing? Christian rap music, right? Got it cranked. So the kid's like, okay, okay. So got his attention. He's like, what's this? I said, it's some Christian rap music. And this caught me off guard. We're in the Bible Belt, right? He said, what's Christian rap music? I said, well, I said, the artists, they usually talk about a, a tough time that they've had in their life and how they depended on Jesus to help them through. And he said, okay, okay. Here's my opportunity, right? Have my, I prayed for an opportunity. Have my spiritual eyes open. I was like, okay, God, I see what you're doing. So I said, can I ask you a question? 
And you know what he said? You know what people always say after you say, can I ask you a question? What do they say? Sure. He said, sure. I said, what, what do you believe happens to a person after they die? He gave me his answer. He said, well, I, I'm not a religious person, but I, I think there's a heaven and a hell. I said, well, where do you think that you'll go when you die? He goes, oh, I, I hope I'll go to heaven. Then I asked him this. Can I share my story with you? You know what that joker said? Yes, sure. It's easy. So I began to share with him. I said, man, I said, my dad's a worship pastor. I said, I was brought up in church. Now I learned that Jesus loves me. But I also learned that when I mess up, it's called sin, and sin separates me from God. But that Jesus loves me so much that he took the punishment that I deserve by dying on the cross, and he, he didn't deserve it. But because of what Jesus did, I can be forgiven of my sins, and my relationship with God can be restored. And when I was nine years old, I asked Jesus to forgive my sins, and I asked him to take control of my life, and immediately this peace came over me that I can't explain. My life hasn't always been easy, but man, God's been with me every step of the way. And you know what? I have a peace that when I die, I know where I'll spend eternity. And by that time, we were pulling up to his house and he hopped out and he thanked me for the ride. And I said, hey, 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 think about what we talked about. Ask me questions anytime. That was it. I've been praying for an opportunity talk to him again. But the Bible tells us that there are some that plant seeds, there are some that waters the seeds, and then God is responsible for the growth. And so it's not always the person that shares that will have the opportunity to finish the conversation. God may hand that over to somebody else. But what does give me some confidence is knowing that I don't have to be responsible for the result, but you know what I have to be responsible for? Preparing the way, and you do too, by sharing your story. You see, I prayed for an opportunity. God gave me an opportunity. I shared my story. Can I tell you something? And they knew this when they hired me. They knew this when they hired me as a pastor. I don't have a seminary degree. I'm just an ordinary average Joe that God's been using for the past however many years. He's not looking for people with all the answers. He's looking for people who are willing to be obedient to what he's called us to do and preparing the way by sharing our story. So you've heard this question before. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? How can we accomplish the task of reaching the 70,000 people one life at a time? So what would happen if all of us in here chose to live sent? Oh, the men 
the women, the kids, the teenagers, the grandparents, the families, for generations, they would be impacted in a way that blows your mind, in a way that changes their eternity, in a way that impacts God's kingdom forever. But we've gotta ask the other question. What would happen if we choose not to live sent? Precious souls will slip into eternity and spend forever separated from God in a real place called hell. Are you willing to let your neighbors your coworkers, your family members. Face that reality. As one of your pastors, I implore you, live sent one life at a time. Will you pray with me? I want you to think of this as we enter in this time of prayer. Who is that one person in your circle who needs Jesus? God laid their name on your heart for a reason this morning or maybe even in the past four weeks as we've been doing whatever it takes. God has been gnawing at you about one person and he's saying, I need you to do something about it. I need you to share your story. So my question is this, are you gonna be obedient or not? Would you just ask God right now in this moment to, to give you courage to be obedient, to, to pray for an opportunity, to look for an opportunity to share your story because someone's eternity is depending on you preparing the way. But then there are some of you in here even watching online that if I, I asked you, hey, if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? Your answer would be, Drew, I don't know. I don't know. Well, today, I beg you, you can know today. And the Bible tells us that we are to repent, which means to ask God to forgive us of our sins and to turn away from our life of sin and to ask God to take control of our lives and he will do it and this peace will overcome you in a way that you've never felt before. But it's gotta come just straight from your heart to say, God, forgive me, take control of my life and he'll do it in an instant. Don't walk out of here today if you've never begun a relationship with Jesus. Heavenly Father, this morning I just pray, God, would you give us the boldness to live sent. And for those that don't know you, God, may today be the day of their salvation. In Jesus' name.